Babe, thank you so much for coming to pick me up. I didn't have an interview today, so I went over to Rod's house to blow some steam off, and I guess music was turned up a little bit too loud, and I didn't hit a truck, picked the car up. I promise you I'll call him every single day for a week, and they told me I had a month, at least a month, to come up with the rest of the money. I'll get the car back. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. It smells like you still haven't taken the trash out. I'll get it. I promise. The car, the trash, I'll get it. Don't worry about it. Just a little stressed. You need to... Stop it. You're just a little stressed. You need to... Derek, I said stop it. Hey, you always putting your hands on somebody. You ain't got nothing else to do. Where you going? I was going to go see if it was something to eat in there. Whatever. It's good to see you in the kitchen. What did you say? What? Oh, nothing, nothing. Hey, can you make me a sandwich while you're in there? Pretty please. Thank you. God bless you. Sure. I'll make you a sandwich. And then after that, I'll pay the light bill and the water bill. Oh, and I'll pay the car payment too, so that doesn't get repossessed. How about that? Right, I knew this was going to come up. Listen, all right. I don't have a job. Right. All right, let's get it out, out there. It's not my fault. I got laid off, but it's been six months. Keisha, we've been married. For eight years, for seven and a half years, I supported this family, paid all the bills and some. Did you forget about that? Isn't that your job? I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, and now I'm doing my job and your job. Right. Okay. Listen, I don't like it either. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, I'm putting thousands of hours, putting in applications online, calling in favors, I'm making contacts, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm trying to get anything to make this happen. Listen, I'm just saying, what do you expect? I expect you to do what a man does and take care of your family. That's what I expect. Right. Okay. Listen, I didn't know we was keeping a list, but now that I know, I should have been keeping one seven years and 11 months ago. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Dishes piled up in the sink, laundry in the corner. What's the last time you were in a vacuum in this mug? That's a... Listen, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I went to church on Sunday. Pastor Herbert said, Tiffany... Found some new recipes. Oh She's making this man eggnog French toast. Keisha, eggnog French toast? What was the last time you made a meal for me like that? Oh, my God. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's a little stress. When was the last time we had some touchy-feely time? Seriously, Derek? Yes. Are I'm you serious? I'm dead serious. I'm sorry, maybe I'm too tired for touchy-feely time because I'm working overtime to keep the lights on in here. How about that? And while we're talking about stuff, you can wash a dish, you can do some laundry, and you can run a vacuum. I'm out here grinding, trying to make sure nothing else gets taken away, and you want to talk about some recipes and some touchy-feely time? Are you serious? Listen, I told you what I do, how I do it. I'm not sure what else you expect. I expect for us to keep each other happy. But obviously that's not anything that you can do anymore. Where are you going? To make you a sandwich. Make me a sandwich. You pay the bills. You take care of me. You watch the kids on Saturday. That's my free time to hang with my friends. 
You mow the lawn. You cook breakfast and dinner. You do the laundry. You wash the dishes. You're responsible for changing the baby's diaper. Well, that's not how my parents did it. You see, people enter into marriage with with expectations. Some are realistic and some are unrealistic. But people do enter marriage with expectations. People have expectations and want their spouse to be like a movie, an actor in a movie. I want, I want a spouse like that, and that's unrealistic. I have expectations for my spouse. I want you to do some things and be some things, and, and yet I don't ever communicate to you what I expect. I have expectations, but don't communicate those expectations. That's unrealistic to have expectations and not communicate them. Well, I want my spouse to be like my dad was. I want my spouse to be like my mom, and that's unrealistic. Well, this, there's this couple that we know, and, and they're married. They've been married for years, and I love their marriage, and I want my marriage to be just like their marriage. I want my spouse to be like that person. That's unrealistic. You see, in marriage, in relationships, in friendships, there's oftentimes a gap between what people expect and what they experience. And the gap between what people expect and what they experience is called disappointment and frustration. I'm going to say that again. I want to teach that to you today. There's oftentimes a gap between what people expect and what they experience. And that gap between what people expect and what they experience is called disappointment and frustration. I want to share with you today our, our theme verse for this series. If you're new with us, we're in week three of a series called Matched, Keeping the Flame Alive, Strengthening Marriages and Relationships and Friendships. And my wife and I will be teaching next week together. She's going to join me. We're going to team teach about the needs of a man in a marriage, the needs of a woman in a, a marriage relationship. And I believe you will be benefit from hearing both of our perspectives Our theme verse for this series, Galatians 6 and verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And when we sow unrealistic expectations into a marriage, into a friendship, into a relationship, we will reap disappointment. We will reap frustration. And disappointment and frustration leads to arguments leads to anger, leads to distance in a relationship. You see, it is unrealistic to think that you can sow unrealistic expectations. It's just, it's not realistic to think you can sow that. Unrealistic expectations and you're going to reap a thriving marriage, a thriving friendship, a thriving relationship. Great marriages, great friendships, great relationships are not about what you say, they're about what you Oh, I got a good class. Amen. You've been been paying attention while we've been preaching. It's not about what you say. 
Great relationships are about what you sow. And today what I want to do is I want to expose some unrealistic expectations so that we can sow the right seed into our marriage, into our, our relationships, into our friendships. And, and today I'm going to zoom in quite a bit on the subject of marriage. And I realize some of you, you're single and you're thinking, I don't ever want to be married. Tried that, done that, it's over. I'm single. But let's listen, listen to me. No matter where you are in your journey, this message is relevant because you need to invest in some children, some, some teenagers, some, some young adults, some, some people that you can mentor, a, a friend, a family member. Some of you statistically says, statistics say that one day you will be married. This information is going to help your life in a tremendous way and not only help you but help the people that you're going to help one day with this message. Unrealistic expectations. Number one is this. Marriage is you give 50% and I'll give 50%. I've actually heard people say that. Well, marriage is 50-50. And friends, that's an unrealistic expectation. Biblical, thriving, God-honoring marriages are not 50-50. You will never have the marriage God intended, to, intended for you to have. Some of you, one day when you get married, you'll never have the future marriage that God intends for you to have if you approach it with 50-50 thinking. And oftentimes what 50-50 means is this, I'll give 50 if you give 50. 50-50 oftentimes means I'll give 50, but I expect, even though I'm not going to say it, I expect you to give 75. I expect for you to give a hundred. And friends, what I want us to understand is that 50% marriages, they're going to reap a harvest of frustration. They're going to reap a harvest of disappointment. There's a gap between what they expect and what they experience. And God never designed, designed marriages to be 50-50. He designed them to be 100-100, that both people are sowing 100% of their love, 100% of their affection, 100% of their emotion, 100% of their energy, 100% of their heart, 100% of their commitment into the marriage relationship. Jesus did not approach marriage with 50-50 thinking. It was all in. I want you to notice what Jesus said in Matthew 19, beginning in verse 4. Jesus said, haven't you read? He replied that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female. And he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother. Jesus wasn't playing. He said, it's all in. I want you to leave your father and mother because you are going 100% in with your spouse. And he says, and be united, 100% united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. Uh -uh, it's not 50-50. The goal of this union is for you to co come all in and become one flesh. It's no longer you do what you want, I'll do what I want. No, 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 no. You become, it's all in becoming one flesh. He says, so they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Jesus said the goal of marriage is for two people to become one flesh. And two people cannot become one flesh with 50-50. No, it has to be 100%. The man brings 100%. He sows 100% into the relationship. The, the woman sows 100% of herself into the marriage. And two people become one flesh flesh. You can't become one flesh sowing 50% of your emotions, 50% of your energy, 
50% of your heart, 50% of commitment, 50% of your finances, 50% of your effort into the marriage. 50% marriages are asking for trouble. Here's what I know after 18 years of being married. In marriage, there are wild days and there are vow days. There are wild days and there are vow days. And, and on wild days, you might make it okay with 50-50. But on vow days, you're not going to make it. You're asking for trouble on vow days. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about wild days versus vow days. We, we've all attended a wedding before and, and have heard wedding vows. And, and I've performed weddings. And whenever time I, I, I do a wedding, I... I always have my little black folder and going to lead the couple through vows. And, and we have Jack and Jill. If you were with us one week, they, they had their wedding gown on and tux, tux on the first week, the suit on. But, but this time I'm going to marry them with some expectations. And we don't always go into marriage talking about our expectations, but we have them. Who's going to do the drash? Who's going to do the cooking? We, we have expectations, and, and there are wild days and vowed days. Jack and Jill, let's, let's, I want to just get you two married today, and do you promise to love, honor, cherish, and protect him or her? And when we talk about love, that's, that's not half of your love. That's not some of your love. That, that's all of your love and honor and cherish. It says, vows say, forsaking all others. Come on, everybody shout vow. Yeah, that's a vow. That's a vow. Forsaking all others. You mean there's some people I can't be friends on Facebook with? Yeah, yeah. Forsaking all others. You mean there's some people I can't hang out with that I used to hang out with? Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't be good for the marriage. It's forsaking all others. You mean there's some Saturdays? You mean you mean I can't go golfing every Saturday? I can't go shopping every Saturday and just hang out with the girls or hang out with the fellas? No, 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 no. It's forsaking all others. There's some Saturdays you have to invest in your marriage relationship. This is not all about wow. It's about thou. The vows go on to say, and holding only to her or him forevermore. That's a, that's a vow. It's just you two. You two are becoming one flesh. Jack, repeat after me. I, Jack, take you, Jill, to be my wife, to have and to hold from this day forward. For better. Everybody say, wow. Oh, we love that for better part. Yeah, I got married for better. Yeah, I want something for better. I'm not done yet, Jack. For worse. Everybody say, thou. Uh-huh. Yeah, you got married. There's going to be some worse days. There are going to be some days you don't like each other. You, you own each other's nerves. There's going to be some setbacks. It's about vow. Not only for better or for worse, but in sickness. Everybody say, thou. Yeah, there's going to be some days you're going to have some sickness. In Oklahoma, you're going to have some allergies. You can get a bad doctor's report. Your spouse is going to be sick, can't get out the bed. It's about vow. It's not all about wow. In sickness and in health. Oh, we like the health part when all is going good. Wow. For richer. Come on, that's double wow. Wow, wow. Yes, for richer. But understand, or for poor, vow. Some days you're struggling financially. You got laid off the job. You don't know how you're going to pay the bills. The car broke down and you have to put the repair on a credit card and you don't know how you're going to pay the credit card off at the end of the month. I'm talking about vow. Through sorrow, vow, and success. I promise to you complete love and perfect trust till death do us part. Complete, not half, but 
100%. You can't sow 50% into a marriage and think it's going to work out well because there are vow days. And it takes commitment. It takes being 100%. It takes being all in. God-honoring marriages are 100-100. It's unrealistic expectation to think that it's 50-50. Number two is this. There's a second expectation I want to expose today, and that is we're going to make love every night. All the single men are like, that's right, Pastor, preach on. Amen. (laughs) But all the married folks say that's an unrealistic expectation. Now, I'm going to keep this PG. So parents don't get nervous. I'm going to keep it PG. But I, I do want you to understand that we live in a world that... Sex and intimacy is talked about all the time. And the viewpoint of the world oftentimes does not honor God, does not line up with Scripture. And it's imperative that the church of Jesus Christ shares God's word, God's perspective on this very important subject of intimacy and sex. Because when it comes to marriage and when it comes to intimacy, there are wild days And there are vow days. And there are so many unrealistic expectations when it comes to this subject. Because our world, Hollywood, paints a picture that's unrealistic. They they, they can taint our minds with unrealistic expectations in movies, social media, music, commercials. We can become tainted through billboards about the world's way of doing marriage, the world's way of sex and intimacy in a marriage relationship. We become tainted by the world. And friends, I just want to help you today. Please hear me. You don't want to bring Hollywood into your bedroom. You want to bring the Holy Spirit. You don't want to bring the world's way into your bedroom. You want to bring the Word of God. You want to bring God's way of doing things. Listen to me. God's way is what works. WWNW. If you were here week one, I did this. WWNW, WWNW, world's way not working. I know what they're showing you on Hollywood, but I'm telling you, world's way not working even for the world. It won't work for you because it it's not working for them. And yet we try to emulate what we see, this, this picture of intimacy that's painted to us in some movie, and it's not, it's not, even, it's not even real. And so we have, to, we have to understand God's way of doing things. You know, another unrealistic expectation is people tend to think that men and women are alike when it comes to the subject of intimacy. And now people will say something different, but when you watch their life and watch their marriage, that they tend to think that they're supposed to be alike, men and women. But men and women are vastly different when it comes to intimacy. Men are in the mood every morning. Women are in the mood every Valentine's Day. If you buy her chocolate and flowers, amen. All I'm saying is we're different. God made us different. He, he wired us differently. And that's okay. That was by his design and his plan. And so it's so important that the husband and the wife, that they're talking about intimacy. I know it can be awkward. I know it can sometimes seem weird, but you have to talk about this important subject. You have to have conversations because if you don't, there's going to be a gap in between what your spouse expects and what they experience. And that gap 
will be filled with disappointment and frustration. Let's look at God's word together. God's word has a lot to say about intimacy, romance, and sexuality. Here's just one passage of scripture about the subject in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1. It says, now for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. And this is referring to sex outside of marriage. Paul says this is how this should not be happening. This, this, this gift from God should not be happening outside of the marriage realm. Verse 2, he goes on to say, but since sexual immorality is occurring, Paul says, listen, here's what I know. I've heard this, Corinth, that sex outside of marriage is occurring. And it's occurring in our world today. And the world has set a standard that sex outside of marriage is expected. It's okay. Just live together. Just test drive the car before you drive it. You're young. Just have fun. But, but God says, God says, no, no, I have a plan for your sexuality. I have a plan, plan to actually bless you, to bring you blessing, to bring blessing into your life, to bring blessing into your relationship. I have a way and a plan for sexuality. And, and so Paul goes on to share God's plan. He says, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. Paul says God created this wonderful gift of sex, but he created it for the context of marriage. God God loves us so much. He's not trying to keep something from us. He's trying to keep something for us. He's trying to keep us from pain and, and harm and hurt and heartbreak. And God says, no, I created this gift in a marriage relationship so that you wouldn't be hurting and you wouldn't harm your own self and you wouldn't have heartbreak. Students, let me just say to our students, our teenagers, our college students, honor God. I, I, know, I know what the world's doing. I, I, know, I know some of your friends, what they're doing. I'm telling you, do it God's way. You'll be blessed. He's keeping something for you, not something from you. Do it God's way. Get to our youth services the next week or two. We're talking on Wednesday nights about true love waits. Verse number three says this, the husband should fulfill his marital duty. Notice the word marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. There is a duty to meet each other's needs in a marriage relationship. And this takes loving communication. The scripture says the wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. All the husbands say amen. Amen, girl, that body is not yours alone. It belongs to me. Amen. I'm just, preach the word, pastor. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. All the husbands say, honey, I'm yielded to you. Amen. Yeah. I'm just reading your Bible is all I'm doing. I am just reading the Bible. This is a good book. You ought to check it out. It's a good book. You ought to read it. Verse 5 goes on to say this. Do not deprive each other, as some of you are in the habit of doing. I added that last part earlier, Amen. That wasn't in the Bible. That That was Herbert Cooper's version. But I'm telling the truth. It says, do not deprive each other, except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. I've taught you this to you before. Paul says the only reason that you deprive your spouse is prayer. And, and, and I know tonight you're going to have a new conversation. No, honey, I'm praying. 
I'm seeking the Lord. It's not a headache, it's prayer. But you need to back up a little bit now because the Bible says do not deprive each other except perhaps for, by mutual consent. In other words, there's a conversation. You have to talk about this subject. And he says, then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Married couples, you have to talk about intimacy so that you're on the same page. Because if you don't talk about this subject, there's going to be a gap between what you expect and what you experience. And that gap will be filled with disappointment and frustration. You have to communicate about this so you don't have unrealistic expectations. Number three is this. Number three. A third unrealistic expectation is we don't need the help of others to have a great marriage. We don't need the help of others. And there are a lot of married couples who have this unrealistic expectation. I actually hear people say things like, well, listen, I'm not sharing my marriage with anybody else. I'm not talking about it. I'm not talking about my business with anybody. I don't even need people. And when you're having wild days, oh, that might be true. On those wild days, you may can just make it you too. But on vow days, I'm talking about for worse, in sickness, for poor, in sorrow, we all need people, godly people who can give us wisdom and encourage and bring strength to our marriage. The Bible says it like this in Proverbs chapter 15 and verse number 22. It says, plans fail for the lack of counsel, hear that, the lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. And friends, I've seen marriages fail due to the lack of counsel. Sometimes it's they won't receive counsel and listen to other people. They're just not willing to receive counsel. And then other times I've seen people fail because they're getting counsel from the wrong people, from the wrong people. The Bible talks about this in Psalms chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, blessed. Everybody wants to be blessed. Everybody wants their marriage blessed. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel, in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. And, and some of you, your marriage is not thriving. It's not being blessed because you're listening and taking counsel from the wrong people. You're taking counsel from, from people who, whose lives are falling apart. Their marriages are falling apart. They're giving you counsel about your marriage that's not based on the Word of God, that's not based on biblical values and principles. I want you to hear your pastor today, church. Godly and thriving marriages have two sources of godly counsel. Two sources of godly counsel. Number one is this, godly friendships. Have you noticed this? This will change your life. It will change your marriage. Right here, right here. Great marriages run in packs. And so do bad ones. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed that bad marriages, they're always hanging out together, people who have bad marriages? You ever notice that? This is horrible. Yeah, I don't want to be married either. Yeah, I don't either. It's amazing. And great marriages hang out together. You see, my, my wife and I, we will minister to people who are hurting. We want to invest. We want to help. But our friends, our close friends have great marriages. 
Great marriages run in packs. They strengthen one another just like bad marriages run in packs and they struggle and they tear down each other's marriages. That's why we have our small groups. That's why right now at the 1130 hour at all of our locations, people are meeting in the first step room. I want to encourage you to do that. At 10 and 11.30 next week, you can go to the, the first step room at your campus uh, at Oklahoma City at 10 and 11.30, other campuses at 11.30, and there's a marriage enrichment class that you can connect with some other people that are going in the same direction to honor God with their marriage and be strengthened and be helped. You can be here on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. We have marriage enrichment groups. Why? Because great marriages run in packs. Number two is this. A second source that every marriage needs, a source of counsel is Godly mentors. We all need people who are further ahead on the journey than we are that can invest in our marriage, that can invest in our lives, that can invest in our friendships and our relationships. And you have to find some people who are further along. My wife and I have that. We have people that mentor us, that pour into us, that we talk to, that help us. We need people who are further along on the journey who can mentor us, and you need the same thing. And there are some times that our marriages can hit a rough patch. And you know what we need? The kind of mentor we need is professional, godly counselors. Trained. And I, I don't know why we have this taboo like, I'm not going to see no counselor. I don't need that kind of help. Let me tell you, all God's people need help. Amen. If you don't think you need help, you don't think you have no problems? That's your problem. Amen. Is you need help. And you just need to humble yourself and ask for some godly counsel, some people who are godly and trained, licensed professionals to help you in your marriage relationship. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, verse 20, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. And some of you are hanging out with fools. And your marriage is suffering harm. Number four is this, a, a, a fourth, a fourth unrealistic expectation is our problems can't be fixed. Our problems can't be fixed. It's an unrealistic expectation. Hear me today. To think, you know what? I don't know if we should even be married because we got problems. Can I tell you, when two imperfect people get married, there's going to always be problems. When two imperfect people get involved in any relationship or friendship, there's going to be problems. And in a marriage relationship, you're going to have minor problems. And there are going to be days you're going to have major problems. There are going to be wild days and there are going to be vow days. And I just want you to understand, no matter the problem you're facing, God is able to help you. God is able to see your marriage through. At all of our campuses, would I, our worship team please come at all the campuses right now. Right now we're going to prepare to sing a song. We saved a worship song for the end. Don't leave early. You're going to want to worship. God has a blessing for you as you connect with him. And right before we sing that song together, I want to share a scripture with you. Matthew 19 verse 26 says, Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God. Come on, everybody shout, with God. With God, all things are possible. With God. Pastor, you don't understand how bad it is. With God. Not, not with you. You've been trying it yourself. You've been trying to make it work. You've been trying to change him or her. 
not with you. With God, all things are possible. Pastor, you don't know what they did. You don't know how my spouse has hurt me. They've had an affair. I don't trust them anymore. They've lied to me. We have fallen out of love. I don't even love my spouse anymore. I don't want to be married. I don't even want this marriage. It's over. The flame has went out. Hear me today. With God. I don't care if you're filing divorce papers this week. I want you to understand. With, not with you, with God, all things are possible. There's a song we're getting ready to sing, and the song says, all I am, I surrender. I surrender. Not, Lord, no longer me. No longer my way. No longer me trying to fix it. But God, I surrender with God. And the song says, give me faith to trust what you say. Lord, would you give me faith that you can show up in my life and show up in my marriage or show up in my relationship and show up in my friendship. Lord, would you give me faith that with you all things are possible.